Today we're gonna break down a video called Fill These Shoes, and then we're gonna build a concept off of prompts in the second half of this episode. So stick around for panning out. Well, hey there, and thanks for joining us. Today we're gonna go on a journey, an expedition, you might say, through the creative process. Even after a decade of business, our tools and techniques are an ever-changing tundra. But hey, that's what makes it so fun to explore. We're Spirit Juice Studios, and this is Panning Up. All right, hey everyone, and welcome back to Panning Up, our second episode here. I'm joined in our studio, as always, with, uh, I'm joined with, joined by Rob Kazmark, <laughs> and then we've got Cody Hilliard and Daniel Gebert here with us as well, same as last week, same crew, awesome crew, and today we're going to be talking about, uh, yeah, a fun video that uh, Cody actually led, what was it, back in 2021? Yeah, it was beginning of 2021, I would say. Well, maybe it was March. But yeah, I was like beginning of 2021. Nice. Well, talk us through a little bit of this, because at this point, if you haven't seen the video, I'd encourage you uh, to go to the show notes and uh, click on the link. I've got it there. Um, I I really think that seeing the piece and seeing all the effort Mm -hmm. that went into it will really uh, help as we talk through this. If you haven't seen it yet and you're driving or something else, then check it out afterwards, but try and remember everything that we talk about. At least wait till stoplight before you you (laughs) want. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But yeah, do you want to talk us through kind of what the thought process yeah. was for all this? Um, so this was for the Archdiocese um, of Chicago. And uh, Greg had essentially, he was originally the producer for the project. And mm-hmm. he, he came in in his Greg-like way, um, very enthusiastic, and uh, slapped down a, a rough draft of a script. Uh, and yeah, I thought it was really interesting. It was, it was about a priest leaving his shoes at the altar for this kid to happen upon. And uh, yeah, it's just a very unique story, I guess. Sounds a little weird. Yeah. 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 Without, yeah. Out of context. Yeah. Uh, but the what, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, the idea is is that it's it's an elderly priest who's kind of at mm-hmm. the, the tail end of his priesthood. So he's yes. yeah. he, it's it's a retirement thing. It's not like leaving a random pair of shoes. It's more like... Right. Sim- it's the sim- symbolic of yeah. his uh, passing on in terms of... Uh, his priesthood. Sure. Um, and he uh, essentially wants somebody to kind of take up his hold as priest. Um, and so that's what his intent is behind leaving the shoes at the altar. Hmm. Seems like a perfect story for like a vocations video to like inspire. Yeah. That's Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, from the beginning, was it always going to be something narrative-based or was this – was this like, uh, did you have to choose the format that this was going on? Like, could you have also pitched, in theory, a documentary and they would have gone for that? Or was this very much... When it first came, when I, when I first came across uh, this piece, it was supposed to be a narrative, I think, from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't supposed to be like, go and document a bunch of random events and then make it into something. Um, it was very much like pre-planned. It had um, a rough... VO kind of put together already. Uh, and it's funny too, because the VO itself was never actually supposed to be from the priest. Hmm. Uh, when I got into the scripting process, I had actually altered it so that it was coming from from him himself. Because I wanted him... Uh, it feels so much more authentic when it feels like it's a journal entry. And so that was why yeah. I went with a journal entry. And uh, I think that it, it also kind of holds this um, present tense, you know, uh, which I think kind of drags you through because, yeah. There, there's something that um, 
a lot of the videos we 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 kind of hold up here from other 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 people have done like a Volvo commercial or whatever. There's a lot of them where a consistent through line that Cody and I have have talked about is like mm-hmm. um, they establish a grounded reason for why someone's doing voiceover. Um, so there's yeah. a Volvo commercial that we all we've all talked about for years and years. That's very, mm-hmm. good. It's very um, good. And it starts with a conversation between a mother and a daughter. And then so then there's voiceover throughout the rest of the piece. And it's not like, where's this disembodied voice coming from? It's like, no, this is a very tender moment between a mother and a daughter. And then it, the story closes up and it's like it yeah. makes sense. It's it's, it's it resolves well, itself. Yeah. And in this case, you, you guys went with a journal entry, which is like a very, very similar, but I think very effective mm-hmm. way of like, oh, you establish who's talking, why they're talking. Oh, yeah, you see a guy writing in a journal. Well, it's like, a yeah, reason it's all, for it all connects. Yeah. Exactly. It allows yeah. you to emotionally connect with his character. You yeah. Because we've, you know, maybe not all of us, but we've been in a similar situation where we're moving on from, like, some big uh, aspect of our lives. Yeah. Uh, you know. I, I think it helps it not be, not come across as a preachy, too. Like, if mm. someone's just, like, talking with voiceover, they could say whatever. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, well, that's just your opinion. But if you see somebody, like, writing in a journal, it's like, oh, it's very personal. Especially mm-hmm. the it's way you guys personal. filmed that because it was, like, it wasn't quite, like, feather quill pen, but it was, mm-hmm. I mean. I wanted, actually, I didn't get the pen that I wanted. No. I really <laughs> wanted a all brass Yeah, pen. I remember you. I think it was a fountain pen as well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh Danny didn't quite go for that. <laughs> like, for, we don't have the budget for a three thousand dollar custom press <laughs> yeah, yeah. fountain pen. Um, sorry, this is gonna have to get cut. For those of you uh, who may not know, Cody, Cody is like so in the details with everything that uh, yeah, I feel like every every now and then there's a project that comes up where it's like, oh, it has to, this little thing has to be yeah. just so, yeah. and it's it's something that I love about about your process. It's also like slightly funny each time. Because it's like 99.9% of people will never notice that. Yeah. But it's like the most important thing to you in that moment. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I like to treat it as like a my own little journal entry. You know, like what traces of myself can I leave behind? Or, you know, I, I think naturally growing up, I was always really interested in seeing if I could find Easter eggs and pieces mm-hmm. like movies because mm-hmm. um, it was like this little glimpse into like the fact that it's it's all staged it's all fake um, and I always thought that that was really interesting so any Do you chance have a favorite Easter egg from like the movies or, or directors um, that's that's uh, I, I talk about Quentin Tarantino just because we were talking about him earlier uh, today uh, but or that was I guess last week <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, we were talking about Quentin Tarantino, and I feel like he has, with his acting, these little subtle cues that he always likes to trickle in. And, and it's always, like, for instance, the feet, right? There are these visual elements that he kind of brings in and leaves little Easter eggs, or the, the flamethrower, for instance, uh, the flamethrower. Uh, that is an example of, I think, kind of him paying tribute mm. uh, to his other. It's like putting his little signature at the bottom of a picture. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Sam Raimi. Uh, <clears throat> I think for a while he used the same old car. It was in like Evil oh, Dead really? and stuff. Oh, really? Now I think it just is Bruce Campbell. He's just in everything <laughs> that Sam Raimi's directed. Yeah, he really is. I don't think there's nothing. He's always like some character yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. Easter eggs are fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're and and two when you can when you can relate it to the story itself. I feel like it becomes all that more important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about. Uh, for this one, I think about the the shot of the priest's eye, and 
I so badly uh, wanted to uh, show seven eye lights in his eye, mm. and I wanted there to be six at first. And when he saw the kid pick up the shoes, he saw the flame ignite in him, and so you see the light spark in his eye, uh, kind of completing that seven, mm-hmm. um, which you know we all know how that relates to the Bible, I think. So um, that was kind of what I was shooting for. Unfortunately, because of time constraints, I couldn't get the 4x4 floppy behind the, the seven lights that I had, and I designated it to the room behind him in the sacristy because mm. there, was, there was just far too much blue light kind of pooling into the back room, and then you know you had this warmth kicking off the altar that it just didn't quite look right. And I know that in terms of color, we were kind of going for outside in Chicago. It looked super blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, church itself brought this warmth and yeah. vibrancy to it. Um, Can you guys, what camera, what did you guys shoot at? Cameras and lenses? So we shot on the Alexa Mini mm-hmm. uh, with the Cine Primes, um, Canon Cine Primes. Canon's, okay. okay. Um, that was A cam. Did you shoot A-cam. with a different, did you shoot with like a, a B cam in the a uh, couple shots? Yeah. So a B cam on the first day, which would have been at the church, was uh, the Ari um, Amira. Okay. was our second cam. Was this? And then, yeah, I was going to say, at the when we shot out at the train, that was shot on the C70. Was it with Cine Primes or L Primes? Uh, so the uh, the stuff on the train was shot with L Primes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just because we were trying to stay incognito, mm-hmm. uh, and then everything shot in the church was with Cine's. And I believe we had uh, an eighth Promist. Yeah, I oh, think front. I mean, and the yeah. church. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I was going to ask about the lighting in color. particular because I feel like the lights, that is, there's a lot of things that stick out to me about this piece in particular, but the thing that always just smacks me across the face when I watch it is the lighting in the church and the diffusion mm. and just like the, the warmth coming off the mm-hmm. altar that, I mean, for one thing, beautiful. yeah, for one thing, like the dyna- the dynamic range of the Aries to be able to capture that is mm-hmm. just like, it's perfect. Yeah, but perfect tool for the job. Yeah, how much of the warmth was added in post? So um, the color process was great. I mean, like there was just the, the footage, I mean, matching the C70 and the Aries was mm-hmm. very easy. That was like an early days of C70 too. So what was, codec did you guys shoot for the Ari? Were you just like 422 or? For the Ari? Yeah. Uh, I think it was quad four. I shot quad four. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and then and matched the, it to the, the C70, I think was. Uh, quad the, four as well? Yeah, yeah. Quad, quad four. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was actually C70. Straight out. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't, uh, and now you could do raw on the C70, but it was. Before that, so it was yeah. just like the 10 bit, I think like the it was intro. Just 10 or? bit, I think 410 so. megabit. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like the highest spec. Actually, but yeah. it's funny too uh, because when we were shooting on the train at some point, I noticed that within the C70 settings, you have to change the um, frames per second, FPS, mm-hmm. to 23.98 specifically, or else it will auto default to 30 frames a second. So some of the footage was actually captured in 30 frames per second, but... Conform then to 24? Yeah, conform. Conform. Mm. But what was really cool was that it actually played out in the edit really well. I kind of liked that almost disconnected quality it Mm -hmm. brought um, an emotional quality. It's just slightly slow. It's slightly slow and it's slightly off-putting, especially when he's getting onto the train. Yep, Mm. that's what I I noticed the most. Yeah, it's just really interesting. He's like slowly approaching this journey and... It's one of those things where coincidence, yes, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know, but yeah. it played out really yeah, well. Give accidents reasons. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. yeah. Now, did we we haven't talked too much about um, well last week's topic, which was stabilization in this particular piece, because that's another thing that I feel like uh, just really, I don't know it. It shows the power of when you have stabilization versus not. Rob, you talked about the contrast there. Like there are a couple shots on the train where you see the shakiness, mm-hmm. and those are some of the best shots of the piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's they just stand out. they stand out. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's fun. I think because. You know, it feels there's something about a smoothness to the frame and the image that makes it feel really linear. Yep. I think. 100%. And so when we introduced the shakiness, and I didn't have too much control over it, we're on a train. Um, could have used a gimbal. Could have used a gimbal. <laughs> and you could have danced while you were doing the gimbal. <laughs> yeah, could have. Oh, gosh. Um, but no, I think that too, there is this, it was blue. You know, the image is blue. It was cool. And, um, there was almost this level of disconnected, like you didn't feel connected to him quite yet. We didn't you know, show his never, face either. We didn't mm-hmm. show his face. And so um, I think that that only helped emphasize mm-hmm. that disconnected quality, I think, to his character um, and made it even even more impactful when you see his face for the first time. But two, I think what the priest is getting at in his VO is that the world's tough. You know, we've we've got sin that we're all grappling with. And I felt like the handheld only emphasized that. That's why I didn't mm-hmm. shoot in slow motion. I, I shot in real time because I liked how shaky it was. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I could feel how uncomfortable this kid was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he finally lands in the church, it's so smooth and so purposeful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, to kind of dive back into the the color question about like warmth and stuff um i i loved we i thoroughly enjoyed working together on like building the the look for the project because mm-hmm. cody and i got a lot of time together to craft mm-hmm. and to play and to try and tweak and stuff um i don't remember at what point the idea came across for kind of having almost like a middle of the road white balance have you guys ever seen the show ozark mm-hmm. um but anyway, super blue. Yeah. Well, th- so they shoot. Uh, I was reading an article a couple of years ago when that show came out that um, the the DP shot on uh, the, like the Panasonic Vericam or something, but shot it at forty four hundred Kelvin. The entire show, one white balance. So when mm. it was outside, mm. it's very blue. When you're indoors, it's very warm. And it's like you're never where you're supposed to be. Like nothing's ever perfectly right. And that's how we mm. wanted to tell the story. Um, like even when you're outside, it's like not quite right. And you're inside, it's not quite right. Um, we didn't go exactly that route, but mm-hmm. being outside and it being extra blue, like the camera is calibrated for the church. And so the world yeah. doesn't quite look right. It was something that we kind of came to together. Yeah, and that's cool. I think that, yeah, the extra kind of blue tint definitely came through mm-hmm. in the color grade. Just to like double down on that, like that's that's what makes filmmaking such a beautiful art form because you can you can infuse story into every element. Everything. Yeah. Like You've gotta. your color is telling part of the story. Yeah. Your camera movement is telling part of the story. Mm-hmm. It's also what makes it so complex and why someone could watch a like a like a Hollywood movie and like a student film, pretending the student film's bad and Hollywood movie's good. <laughs> and not knowing like, well, why is it why is that one better and that one's not? It's like yeah, it's hard to because it yeah. the storytelling is it's in everything. It like mm-hmm. literally goes into all the cracks. And if you can utilize know how to do all that, mm-hmm. I mean it just makes 
something really incredible and just oh, yeah. uh, emotionally grappling to watch. Yeah. Well, it's something too. You're talking about intentionality and like burying little Easter eggs and little things that the audience might not pick up on, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But you put enough of those in and they all have reasons. And mm-hmm. eventually those things layer up into something very meaningful, exactly. like inevitably meaningful. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's unavoidable. And then you get, yeah, audience comes away with this feeling of like, wow, that was really high quality. I don't, I don't know. I can't tell you why, but it was really high quality. Mm-hmm. And it's like, those reasons that's those are the reasons why yeah um i think that intentionality yeah. too is is sort of what's defined the fat the past uh few years here in the sense that uh, not that we've we weren't intentional before we've always been very intentional about our work but we've we've kind of everything started very eng style and um, I know, Robin, your background and my background, too, like it wasn't as cinema based to start out. And so a lot of the early projects for Spirit Juice, um, a lot of the early projects that I worked on outside of Spirit Juice, too, were not um, it, it was like event capture stuff. And so we approached more of our cinematic elements from that standpoint, too. It's like, how do you make an event capture thing the most cinematic it can exactly. be? Exactly. And that's part yeah. of what made Spirit Juice, I, w- I wouldn't say a household name, but like in, in the Catholic world, like we got our name from the fact that we could make ordinary things very cinematic mm-hmm. without a ton of of prep like we just mm-hmm. knew how all those different tricks and techniques and all that and so i think back to like some of the vocations videos that we've done in the past like the early sacred heart uh seminary ones and then i think too um because we had a lot with with sacred heart so um be not afraid was one where we were very intentional about a lot of it but it was still like a lot of 60 frames a lot of slow motion yep. and and still approached in in like an event capture type of way we put people in situations and then found cool shots within mm-hmm. that and then there was no bystanders which yep. took a different a, a bit of a different approach that one was one of the first ones that i recall where we had everything like there was not a slow mo shot in the entire piece mm-hmm. it was just all 24 frames very real time all almost entirely handheld too mm-hmm. um to kind of give that realness there mm-hmm. and then like transition into like uh this piece for the archdiocese of chicago which is the most intentional piece up until that point that we had had where it's like every shot is storyboarded and planned out can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit more about that in particular sort of the the planning that went in at the beginning yeah so uh when i first got the script again i did kind of the my cut of it uh so i added in the letter sequence um, I never storyboarded the letter sequence. I didn't see that it was super necessary. Um, but I did want to figure out what, how to make sense of kind of their timelines. Um, and so I would begin sketching out like sh- quick storyboards of, okay, well, he needs to get on a train. So what looks really cool of him getting on a train? Probably a shot like this. But does that actually communicate everything I need to communicate about his character? So then you start getting into this whole thought process of like, okay, well, why is he getting on the train? You know, okay, well, to get to the church. Okay, he's getting to the church, but what is his journey to the church, right? Mm. Um, And so that's where you try to find these little, again, come back to Easter eggs. Maybe that's just the way I try to think of it, but um, how can I inject his background story into each frame? And so that's where it comes to like adding the shaky cam or mm-hmm. when he was looking out the window and he was reminiscing about something. Uh, and, and we have the VO of the, the priest going and see past the sins of our small world. We whip past his point of view and then you see him on the escalator in elevation. He's rising above the sins of our small world. 
So you're physically seeing the representation not mm-hmm. only of this priest's language, but also this kid's journey, right? If he's going to become yeah. a priest, you've got to be able to see him visually making that mm-hmm. track. It's like, yeah, just like finding a visual metaphor so, for the, what's what's being said. Yeah, and so storyboarding is super helpful because it allows you to pick apart each frame and really try to figure out what you're communicating. And then, too, it's nice because um, you can start – for this particular one, I had to direct and DP it. So I had to be super on it in terms of, like, where are my lights going? Like, I have to be able to communicate to people – we're shooting a butterfly on him when he gets up to the window because I want this him to be basking in this moment that is um, light and airy. It's not necessarily super dramatic. He's like coming into the light. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I hadn't had time to storyboard that, I don't think that I would have put that much intentionality into the lighting itself. Um, you know, that's not even taking into consideration the things that he's wearing. Right. Right. So I remember talking with the gaffer. Uh and we we got this butterfly um, kind of lighting style on on the. What's key. a butterfly lighting style? Oh, so a butterfly lighting style is kind of it's from the front, and it's I think I want to say it's about at a forty five degree, but it's essentially when you create this soft shadow under the tip of the nose, and it just comes right on the uh, top of the lip. Uh, and the, I think it originated in old school Hollywood when they were lighting actresses because they wanted them to look super flawless and they wanted to accentuate the cheekbones. Kind of like a beauty dish? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's just really just emphasizing beauty. And I think that that's exactly what this moment was because it was this connection that he has earlier to the priest on, I guess, essentially what it's all about. You know, uh, because at the beginning of the script, he literally reaches out to this painting, I believe, Mary and Baby Jesus. Um, and he's talking about how this life is short, but he's found something. Mm-hmm. And the kid literally finds something where the priest found something. Mm-hmm. So it's just him kind of being able to come to and, and mm-hmm. see that. But yeah, again, I think that the storyboarding process was so important, again, because I wouldn't have been able to think through those intricate story elements but mm-hmm. I mean, preparation is key oh like that's for sure. like i don't, i've not i've definitely not done my pre-production showed up on set and then felt really unprepared and really mm-hmm. overwhelmed and really like oh my gosh what am i doing and it's like because well, i wasn't doing pre you know like <laughs> if you want to show up it's going to be crazy mm-hmm. but like walking in prepared um that's i mean honestly that's you want that over any camera yeah um, yeah and uh I'd love yeah. to know. What, um, I think I know the answer, but the the young kid and the priest mm-hmm. actors, real people. Yeah. So uh, the kid was um, an actor. Okay. Uh, and he was fantastic. A young adult. Yeah, young adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't a kid. those kids. Kids yeah. these days. He was in his twenties. So. Yeah. yeah. No, he's a he's a great guy. And uh, the priest was um, he was a real priest. Uh, so he had no. He was was a real. priest? He was a real priest. So wow. he had no acting background. Um, Pretty and, good, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was. Yeah, he, he was very fun to work. Felt with. very authentic, and I guess I'm, mm-hmm. he's a real priest, so that's why yeah. I felt authentic. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, felt... heck, if the priest thing doesn't work out, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like he was able to kind of draw on his own truths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. know, and so that probably made it pretty easy for him. Mm. Um, and he seemed super relaxed, and and the but this church. I don't know if he was the priest for this church. Maybe not. I think he was from a different 
different church. Hmm. But um, beautiful church. Yeah, where, like, where is that in Chicago? Chicago? Is that like the yeah, West Loop or something? Downtown Chicago. So mm. this uh, was one of the churches that had survived the Chicago fire. Oh, and so there is this nice. brilliant history behind it, and um, they were able to preserve a lot of it. So that was uh, some. Uh, I gave the actor that tidbit of information mm-hmm. so he could kind of draw on the emotion of like, oh, wow, this is a historic building. And uh, like this is when I'm seeing this altar and I'm seeing all these bulbs and I'm seeing all this architecture, it's like this is this survived. Mm-hmm. And for him to be able to draw on that, I think kind of help pull maybe some subtlety into his eyes a bit, mm, Yeah, I think, which was really nice. But, yeah. yeah. No, his his acting was very subtle. I mean, he mm-hmm. doesn't do a whole lot. Some people would say it's like, oh, it's too deadpan. But like, yes. yeah. you could you could pull a lot. And I think what helps that, and I want to touch on this too, is the music. Because oh, the music right. is just, oh yeah. man, it, Who it's, did, is it? I was gonna, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Do, was so, it scored? No, no, no. So this this uh, this track wasn't scored. It was. I found it on Musicbed. Okay. Uh, I love Musicbed. Oh, gosh, mm-hmm. Musicbed is so great. Pre Musicbed was like. Did the world even turn at that point? No, like I remember what? it. It was it was so yeah. hard. It was so hard. The, the best you do is like have a friend that's a musician mm-hmm. that had good music you could use. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah. it was terrible. Yeah, it feels like you're getting authentic artists. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, Compared to because I mean we also use what was killer tracks Universal. now Universal. Yeah, and then there's like Extreme if you want to go really high end, like high priced. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's. Artlist I mean, is good too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Artlist is really Asia killing can't beat it. And I, I heard Film Pack has music now too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I haven't looked into. I I think it's they're trying to go after Artlist. It's a very similar model yeah. too. But yeah, no. So yeah, so Musicbed. Was yeah, there? no Musicbed. But I you know I'd searched on there for a while, and um, I wanted to find something that felt purposeful and hit a broad range of emotions. And I think that that song did exactly that. And I mm. think the strings themselves. I'm, I'm a sucker for strings. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like yeah. Um, I feel when you can hear the individual instruments all within unison, it mm-hmm. just really does sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I remember actually uh, cutting out all my storyboards, and I pasted them up on the whiteboard. And, uh, and it's, you know, because it's it's much easier to to kind of see each shot in succession. You know, because when I feel like you're looking at a packet full of storyboards, you flip the page and it's it's not like walking through a doorway and you mm-hmm. forget where you're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever done that before, but No, I'm 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 not old like that. No, I've never <laughs> done anything like that. But like to be able to see them laid out one after another mm-hmm. and I I would listen to the song and then I would mark the time codes for each shot. Yeah. Uh and so that was really helpful because I, f- I was able to kind of articulate where the shots of the priest should go when he was writing. Because um, yeah. it was like at the, I think it was the 54-second mark, that like something has to happen here because mm. it's dragging too much. Um, so it was, you really could kind of see the the motion of them. Yeah, you're, you're editing um, your piece together with all the components you have before you actually have your footage. Mm-hmm. Like you're making decisions about timing and emotion and stuff before you've actually yeah. stepped on set. That's, that's you. I mean, like, you know, in VFX uh, would be like previs, but like yeah. I've, mm-hmm. I've done something where I actually did a, a day. I shot 
the film before I shot the film. I just went yeah. out, just handheld, mm-hmm. and like got all the stuff and then cut it together. And then like I say, I'm not good at drawing, um, nor do I enjoy it that much. And so I was like, well, I can't storyboard, so I'm going to do this. But like being able to like take like the pre thing and like play with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, then you know whether it's a storyboard or whether it's you know previs or whatever. That's so helpful, yeah. um, and you really can get into, it, especially if you have the music picked out. So you had the music before you shot, then. Yeah, which was that's awesome. Which is nice, and yeah. I don't think I so, prefer doing that. Honestly, yeah, I know that. I same. mean, the traditional route is like, oh, you you piece it all together, and then you hire someone to score it. Nah. And we do that occasionally. You know, I mean, not occasionally. I, we do I it don't. enough, but there's something about about like listening to the music and just getting inside your head and mm-hmm. and just yeah putting yourself in a headspace that allows you to think through how do I want to frame mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're getting something, when we do score things, I'll still have like different playlists that I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to these three songs on repeat for the next two hours mm-hmm. as I'm thinking through all of my shots. And then when we go to the composer, it's like, all right, these are the three songs I listen to. Take these as inspiration. Yeah. Um, yeah. But having the exact one, that's always just... It was, yeah, and I, I was hopeful that it would work, you know, um, I didn't get a chance to do it on this one, but sometimes if I was able to speak with the actors beforehand or whoever's involved, I'll send them the track so that they can listen to it because mm. um, I think it's just as important for them to be able to get into that headspace as well yeah. or like play the song on set. Well, we did that when we were filming uh, the reenactments uh, in, in studio here for um, – uh, it, it was, was it the Christendom piece? Yeah, or? yeah. Um, we had to do some reenactments of the crucifixion, and so um, – we just played the Passion of the Christ soundtrack mm. a, as we were going through it. Mm. And it just like, it put everyone in a headspace where it's like you you felt the gravity of what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like we weren't going to be using that music in there, but it just, it, it set the tone right. Yeah. And that's so important for, for like visualizing what you're doing. And yeah. No, for sure. One of the things that, um, uh, so two things will take me out of a piece right away. Like it, whether it's stuff we make or stuff I see on TV, it. Bad hair and makeup, not not being bad, mm. like they did a poor job, but like non-realistic. So like, mm. for example, someone wakes up and first thing in the morning and like they're all like, it's like a woman. She's like all done, you know, like hair, makeup. It's like you, you're literally yeah. in bed. How is that possible? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like something like that or screen direction that's not followed. And mm. I would say this t- to my high standards of taking it out, I feel like this, this was a, like a, a 90% where um, – the young man is on the left screen for most of the time, mm-hmm. traveling right, mm-hmm. yes. and the older man is on the right side, looking left. There's a couple times like when, it, when he's walking in, it breaks like a little bit, but, yeah. but like it's passable; it doesn't take you out. Yeah. But I love that it respects screen direction, and it really like you're, they're coming together, and you're you're feeling that another storytelling technique yeah. of just screen direction. Yeah. No, that's that's so much. That yeah. was unintentional, right? That, there was no planning <laughs> that. No, but it's it's fun because I think I can't remember where I heard this, but just in terms of like the visual representation of like the characters moving on screen, um, those who are progressing would move from left to right, right. because yep. it's like you're reading. Mm-hmm. You know, you read from left to right, and so you're moving forward. But those who are you know not progressing are moving from right to left. I tried as much as I could to kind of preserve that that quality in it, but um, you know, there's factors, of course. Of, you know, the room doesn't look right, mm-hmm. um, and when you get a chance to location scout, mm-hmm. you give up the perfect room for the perfect front doors. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, yeah. anyone have any? Uh, I'd love to talk about this for another thirty minutes, but <laughs> we've got some prompts to work on. So, any any other last thoughts I on? Wanna, I want to throw it out there because 
you guys talked about Promist. Mm. Mm-hmm. Most of it was fake. We uh, just post all almost all of it was in post. Really? Yeah, yeah. When you when when I took off my like um, the nodes for like my my promised effect and stuff in Resolve, and I took it back to this like the original, it looked mm-hmm. like a soap opera. I'm just I just like it, it changed the hmm. you know what I mean. Like one eighth promised is like you think it's a lot, and then you throw on the promise that we did in post, yeah. and it was so much, and then it taking so it back it was like. Oh no no no! That's way too clean. Yeah. Like mm. this needs to be more of like. So this it was kind a of... terrible piece until you colored it. Is what <laughs> Sorry, no, no no no! I'm just saying. <laughs> like, sounds like the promise. The... Thanks for saving it, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cody, <laughs> it wasn't that good. No, it's a uh, but but like it's again like an intentional thing on set of Cody saying like I want to shoot with promised and then coming to me and be like I want to take this up to another mark. Like yeah. here's here's our starting point. Here's what I was going for. Let's take it up to like uh my my real vision and fine tune it in post was like. Um, I don't know. It was just, it was really cool. And it was cool. Yeah. Promise for people that may have not have heard of it or used it is. It's just a, it's like a layer of like frosted glass, almost like a, like a fogged yeah. up window or something that you put in front of your lens so mm-hmm. that it, it, uh, it makes light sources kind of Feels like dreamy. bleed, mm-hmm. bleed some of the color yeah. across the frame. It's gotten it, really popular now. There's a lot like yeah. the Tiffin Promist, mm-hmm. um, Tiffin Black Promist, mm. one eighth or a quarter. I yeah. think you can go higher than that. Yeah. Mm. Well, but, they've got it up to like four or five, I think. It's like, yeah. but then you're looking super 70s. It's, like, yeah. I mean, mm. in a lot of ways, it's like recreating what has been removed from lenses over time, which is like lenses have become more and more perfect. They've found ways of, you know, different coatings and all that. So you don't have flares and you don't have like yeah. that, that frostiness. And this is just like, it's in some ways breaking your lens, which yeah. there's also there's a future topic that we're going to be talking about, which is filtration and stuff like that. But yeah. okay. um, I have more to say, but I'll say we'll wait to that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love me some promise. Nice, yeah, it's nice. So no, but the color does look great on this piece. I, I really, uh, it it works hand in hand with the music to make me feel something. Yeah. So I still the gate like having the a little bit of the bleed. The bloom. Mm-hmm. On the top and the bottom, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that was really nice. That was a, that was a fun moment because well, you were experimenting with it on some other piece. Yeah, I was just messing around with it because I was scanning film yeah. on just like in my free time, and mm-hmm. I noticed that um, when I overscanned my film, so I got like the gate of the film, like beyond the border of where the picture actually lives. Um, when I when I sh- overexposed my film by a lot, like it would bleed into the areas where the the picture technically doesn't exist, but it's like bleeding off yeah. into the borders, yeah. mm-hmm. but only like the bright parts. I was like, oh, I, I think I know how to do that in Resolve. Like, let me figure that out. And uh, I was looking, essentially, I was like waiting for a project to like mess around mm-hmm. with it. And it synced up perfectly because you were doing the right aspect ratio. And uh, mm-hmm. it, I do want to give a works, small shout out to together. just shooting film. Like, I mean, honestly, there are so many of those things. I feel like you took color here up another level. And so much of that was shooting film. And looking for all those little details there, mm-hmm. like the bleed there or the way that the grain structure is. Because mm. there's a lot of, I mean, you can, what, what did we used to use? There was um, uh, Film Convert and there's oh, like all yeah. these other plugins to try and like, yeah. you know, simulate film. And they always get like 60 to 70% of the way there. It's all right. Yeah, it's it right. looks good. Yeah. It looks good. But for people that are like going super authentic, like you can tell that it's not, it doesn't match I mean, up. I know we're going off topic again, but like, you uh, there was an intern project that, a while ago with Gary that you did, and it was all in the black man. Well, it was like the red, but the black magic one to look like Super Sixteen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just with like mm-hmm. it was no plugins. It was like you had to like it was a it was um, the aperture you shot at. It was uh, a bunch of different things, and then like in post, you made it look like Super Sixteen. It was like really authentic. That and that's because 
you've shot on film. You can just know those subtleties. And I think like as a filmmaker, like if you've never shot a film, go buy a film camera, just shoot on a little bit because you'll just, you'll learn, like Mm -hmm. do expand out as much as you can because it's, yeah, it it, it pays off in the end. Yeah. Yeah. And like some of those, the reasons that like you, I chase after film stuff and like the reasons that we chase that, like why are we making our digital footage look like film? Again, this is probably another topic, but like those things are associated with what is cinematic. Mm -hmm. Those are associated with like, that is a movie. A movie has film grain. A movie has bloom and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. So, so yeah, like working with Cody and trying to figure out how we can inject some of those things, like fake, I guess, some of those flaws of film and stuff was, was, is, yeah, it it helps the final product again, tell that story on another level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, shall we do the prompt? Let's do it. All right. So for for the second uh, 30 minutes, we're going to be coming up with, a video based on some prompts. This one, because it's one of the first episodes, we don't have uh, too many emails suggesting things. Although, <laughs> if you're emails? listening, we don't got any emails. We don't, we don't have any emails right now. Yeah, <laughs> we don't got no. too many. I yeah, mean, no, it's only you know zero. We have um, one confirmation email from Google that's like, yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, it's like man, we got a full inbox. <laughs> yeah, no. So if you have any ideas for us or, or have any uh, fun, I uh, you know things that you want us to try in the future, send those over. But for now, this is sourced from around the office. So wait, what's the email address? Oh, yeah. No, obviously. I mean, the email address is panningup at spiritjuice.com. So that's panning up, you know, (laughs) every time what you typically do when you pan, you pan up, right? Panning up at spiritjuice.com. So, okay. So here's the prompt You've been asked to create a film for the Diocese of New York's capital campaign to restore St. Patrick's Cathedral. Wow. You have Mm. three months to complete the project with a budget of $50,000. The curveball is that you cannot feature Cardinal Dolan, the Archbishop of New York, due to scheduling conflicts. So, real quick, restoration because it's. A, I think it's in pretty good shape. It Are we is. Pretending like it's we're not pretending. In good shape? We're pretending like uh, the you know one of the bell towers was struck by lightning and you know there was a, a massive fire. Think think Notre Dame, you know, and okay. something like mm. that. But St. Patrick's Cathedral. So it's been damaged and they need to restore this. So how do we create a video? Um, that doesn't feature Cardinal Dolan and do it for $50,000 that can be completed within three months. It's the, um, the goal of it being to help them raise, raise money. money. Yeah. So this is going to be the video that they send out uh, to people. It'll play, play at dinners. It will, um, you know, go in an email blast, yeah. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, so, so Brandon, I mean, for it, in case some and this is all that I'm familiar so. with like St. Patrick's cathedral. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of history behind the St. Patrick's Cathedral. Yep. I mean, it's kind of it's a staple of the of the community in New York in the mm-hmm. neighborhood. Um, so, a restoration project. You mentioned Notre Dame, mm-hmm. like the the cathedral in France. Um, it, it, I don't know that it's necessarily at that level, but it's like not too far off. Like it's it's yeah. almost equally famous. Yeah, where Notre Dame, I feel like is is like worldwide known. Yeah, St. Patrick's maybe is, but I feel like it ha- it holds that place in New Yorkers' hearts. Yeah, so um, mm-hmm. because it's you know the center of the diocese and all that, but also like you think St. Patrick's Day parade and all those other things, and they kind of right across you from um, not Times Square, but uh, Rockefeller. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so right it's like there. right in the mix of of everything. Yeah. So do we want to talk about format? Like, are we thinking, what what would work best for this situation? Well, like, what kind of damage happened to the church? Uh, so we, let's, can we go let's, we, yeah, because we can, <laughs> we'll fill in the pieces here as we, we go along. So uh, lightning struck one of the bell towers, lightning. starting a fire. And so uh, one of the bell towers collapsed. Most of the church might still be in, in really good shape, but still those things are expensive. It's going to be, you know, three, four million dollars to repair. Yeah. Interesting. Because mm-hmm. I was going to think of it as like water. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, like water damage. Like water damage. It could be like a really interesting mm-hmm. sequence of seeing the decomposition of paint and. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said that there was a fire. Y- yeah, so like it a sparked fire. a fire. I mean, and, fire. Uh, a very very visceral image that you just put in my brain, Cody, is like Renaissance art with fire kind of Ooh, licking the front yeah. of it, yeah. which is like. It's very evocative. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that the image in my head is coming from some movie I watched or something. But, like, it's a very evocative mm-hmm. kind of idea of, like, erasing the past, like, erasing the history and, like, replacing with ash or something. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, fire is cleansing, but it's also, like, it's scary. Yeah. Um, and something with history being kind of taken back by fire is something that's – again, it's, like, it, it draws a lot of emotionality behind just, like, those mm-hmm. images. Yeah. Um, and I feel like St. Patrick's, the easy thing is to lean into the history. Yeah, absolutely. If this repair ship was built 50 years ago, then, you know, it might require a little bit of a different take on this or a little, a, a bit of a different angle. Um, whereas I feel like if you're really wanting to get people to donate, like the easy, uh, the cheat code, so to speak, is just to like lean into the fact that this for, for, you know, I don't know when St. Patrick's was, or was built, but centuries essentially mm-hmm. has been you know part of the heart of new york yeah so like those the stones that make up the church have been there longer than most of those yeah. skyscrapers if not all of those skyscrapers mm-hmm. and so it's like it's more a part of new york than than the skyline yeah which is it's i, I would you say cheat code i don't think it's a i don't know if i mean it's a cheat code but <laughs> it's it's also it's like knowing your material well like that you, too. you if yeah. you got the toys in the toy box like mm-hmm. play with them yeah. Um, so I would say like a historical element to it, the idea of like the, uh, you know, the cheesy way of there's a cheesy way of doing that, too, yeah. which is like, you know, this church has been here for 200 years and <laughs> older than, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Coolidge was in office when I don't know, like, you know, if you mix the history with the strong connection that New Yorkers just have, mm. I think you can make a really Absolutely. Like, a powerful like so. You know, not knowing what's available to us, but knowing we have the budget of a little bit of money, um, showing how St. Patrick Cathedral has been part of movies, history, like uh, that's like, great. Like showing like the giving a framework of like this has been around and like giving a bit of a history thing, but like in a fast, like yep. fun way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know. I, I feel like you got to like go like man on the street style a little bit to get some sound bites of just like New Yorkers talking about St. Patrick Cathedral, how like it's just important to New York. Maybe just, how it helped them. Yeah. Like yeah. Their, it could, faith, you know? Yeah. Any, yeah. Anything. And I think you want to, you want to get, I don't say specifically non-Catholics, but just like yep. just New Yorkers in yeah. general speaking about that. Yeah. And then so like you establish like this is part of the history. This is part of New Yorkers. So it's like, OK, this is important. And then like we're and then it's just like, OK, let me get my money because we need this back. Like we can't. Well, New York's me, not the same without it. Yeah. It makes me think of the uh, the piece that uh, the Behold worked on um, for – uh, you know, during COVID when it was like the Chicago one, I'm mm. like, we, you know, we've, we've come we back to Chicago that. or something. Yeah. Like it, it's one of those where like, if you're in Chicago and you see that, you're like, yeah, we are kind of awesome. Like, mm-hmm. um, I started to get a bit of an accent there. We are kind of awesome. Yeah. We're awesome in Chicago. Yeah. That's how we sound over here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like pulling in, um, now would you go, would you go like, uh, documentary, like asking questions or would you like feature, I like, would, if I could, like, if I had to do it right now, really quickly, it'd be like a 30 to 60 second ad, like a commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, it's scripted, a little doc style, so you can get real sound bites. But it's like, um, yeah, you're, 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 you're taking them from 
one place to another in those 60 seconds. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking, like, what if you have this, um, it's like feminine voice kind of describing to you the, f- like, laying of the foundation of a church. And as you, you have this sequence of, like, uh, pulling in um, biblical elements, I think would be really cool too. But, um, like, just I, I feel like there's something there visually. And just, like, hearing that soft, almost, <laughs> have you guys ever watched uh, Avatar The Last Airbender? Hmm. Earth. That's not the Avatar. Is that the James Cameron Avatar? No. Um, no, no. <laughs> it's, like, this, uh, it's this cartoon. Okay. But they're, anyway, they're, like, so the same, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you almost hear this uh, this foundation being laid for the the history of the church, mm. but in a way that is more on the principle of its construction itself. Mm. And I think that I, might be. I as you were talking about that, I was seeing, um, like she's essentially walking us through like the cinematic timeline through the ages. Like again, not in a cheesy mm. way, but mm-hmm. so you start with like. This, there's fertile soil in New York in 1702 or whatever it is and like you, the bricks are being laid or whatever and then my mind then goes to like what was another like natural disaster that the church narrowly escaped you know like what mm. other things has tomorrow. it lived through <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know like what other things that's like you know that like oh the church the church was around when this happened the church yeah. was around when this happened and then you're kind of you're bringing people through that kind of early primordial timeline into the modern era, and it's like, wow, this is still so much has changed. It's been through so much, but it's still here. Mm-hmm. And that it, the kind of propelling people in their mind to a timeline in the future when the church is still here, they're already like, oh yeah, after it gets fixed, it'll still be there. What you know, that's, that's what people are thinking. And so it's like, oh, of course we got to fix it because it's got to be there for this future stuff. This mm-hmm. makes me think like all these things are being said. Makes me think of uh, Band of Brothers. You guys seen Band of Brothers? Mm-hmm. So it starts out with uh, these interviews from guys that were actually in, uh, if I'm not confusing it with another um, war movie, but uh, HBO series, fantastic. I tend to watch it like every couple of years because I like it so much. But it's um, it starts out by talking, by showing real interviews with the guys that were in Easy Company and mm-hmm. that were like in World War II. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very much like what you're saying where it's like man on the street in a sense. Like it, it's not man on the street, but it's an interview style thing. Like there's an authenticity to something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then it transitions. It like goes to black and it comes back up with the title card and everything. And then it goes into something that is very narrative. It's not, you know, off mm-hmm. the cuff or whatever. So I wonder, it's not something we do frequently, but I kind of wonder if you can com- do something like that where it's it starts out with these sound bites from people and, and but it's said in a way that that almost like you don't know what they're talking about mm-hmm. so it's yep. the ways that the church ha- that St. Patrick's has influenced them or you know something along those lines but they never actually reference St. Patrick's or tell you what they're talking about and then it kind of like I don't know yeah. there's some sort so it's almost like a cold open of sorts well I, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure what you're talking about is is also done in Interstellar where they have interviews from the Dust Bowl documentary it's mm. an old Ken's mm-hmm. Burke I think it's mm-hmm. a Ken Burns documentary but mm. it's about the Dust Bowl and they show these clips I think in the beginning of the film um, and it's like talking about people who are like oh we had to turn over our plates so that the dust and those are from the real Dust Bowl but then you frame it in this narrative context of like the world of Interstellar uh, this new Dust Bowl and um, and then it's the movie starts. I I think that's how the play, and it works really well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's really that's really fascinating. I think I'm kind of seeing seeing that come together in mm-hmm. my head. Um, the uh, the thing I think we should maybe jump into like what 
how do how do we effectively do um, a video that asks essentially asks in some way or another people to give money to something like what's a because you can you can emotionally kind of get people into like oh this mm-hmm. is important but like how do you how do you go over to like are we doing know? a direct or indirect ask right. yeah, yeah I think that depends too like if it's gonna, if they're just doing it online and like people are you know like a donation or if it's at an event if it's at an event you don't need to do like all you need to do is move them emotionally because you're gonna have someone come on stage and right. be like. And now we really need you to, you know, yep. uh, or however they would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that's a question. Where, where huh. is it being played? Or do we do two versions? Like we I mean, really do. we could <laughs> do two versions. Yeah, I mean, it's um, – I would see this as being like first and foremost an online video. So it's something that they're, that's going to be on Facebook that, you know, the Archdiocese sends out and all that, sends in their email newsletter and all that. So they can have like the information that could go along with it would be, you know, in the description of either the email or – on the Facebook post, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but so there's people are watching it with context, not like they're scrolling and like, like what's this? Yeah, yeah. I would okay. see it more as with context than without. Yeah, because yeah, like, I feel like this news would cat it would catch waves. You know. Yeah, like, and, and I, the church mostly donate or people that donate to the church are mostly like part of the church. You know, like yeah. so like they're it's a captive audience that mm-hmm. they think yeah. that they're reaching or they're trying mm-hmm. to reach to. Yeah. So maybe indirect ask? Is that what we're thinking? I think like? so. indirect. Yeah. I think if, yeah. You I can think strike you, a chord I think if you establish the importance mm-hmm. of the church as an icon, yeah. a, as a thing, um, and that there's this like this, you almost, you know, not in a, not in a belligerent way, but like you, you almost kind of hint to the audience that there's a, there could be a world where this church doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's like, oh no, like that's important. It's important. And then once, I think once you establish that, mm-hmm. then it's, I think that probably does the, the bulk of it, potentially. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, the end, like, text on screen, like, donate here. Yeah, like, if they're moved to motion, like, you don't have to say. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, exactly. Once you yeah. got them where you want, yeah. you can yeah. tell them. You can kind of, you can softball it. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we'll take you right over here. Yeah, here exactly. Nice check. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, we have kind of a cold open with the, the interviews, the man on the street type interviews. Then we transition into, what were we saying? It was like, um, it was this la- layering of the foundation kind of walking yeah, through. Yeah, just like having that feminine voice walking you through like the importance of the building um, in, in a way that is like and the church is often referred to, like in the feminine sense, like sh- the yeah. church, mm. how are, uh, the mother, like mother the ch- or church is the bride of, of yeah. Yeah. church. Yeah, yeah. Church yeah. Is referred to as a bride. Yeah. Um, what? So I'm just gonna like lob lob something across the plate here. So we this the, I think this this imagery of like flames licking parts of the church, yes. like mm-hmm. a stone, and the like. There's a, even like vestments or something. Like if we we really go into like the place kind of being taken by flames a little bit. And we're hearing just sound bites mm-hmm. of these real interviews about like what people are th- like the, the impressions that people have about the importance of this place without revealing that it's St. Patrick's. And every time you hear a sound bite, it's just one shot of something being eaten by flame. And then you cut to a different shot with a new person sound bite talking about something, you know, something along the same lines, mm-hmm. like heavy sound design. I, I went there when I was nine and like I went there with my mom. And like that was the only time that we were ever in a, a place that was that beautiful or whatever it is. You mm-hmm. know, and then it's another shot and it's a portrait of a, of a bishop painted in oil and it's being just completely See, engulfed cracking by flame. and flaking on and it. then yeah. whatever it is like the last shot is then match cutted to this you in, intro like this feminine voice section where it's like the the you you end with or sorry you begin with like these things being taken by flame being taken down to ash and then uh 
match cut to whatever that last frame is like it's like a brick being or like a stone being completely engulfed by flame and then match cut to a stone being placed on the foundations of the church mm-hmm. and this woman kind of walks you through like like whatever, time, like, like when it was like that's uh, like when it's being made. Okay, and then like a period thing. Then. Yeah, that's so like, cool. That's cool. Like because that would be very like oh wow. There's like a lot of immediately like that cold open brings me to whatever this is. It's a lot of gravity behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very s- small scale, very pointed, but um, yeah, I don't know. That's it's that's a great transition because that's the hard part of like how do you do this like you like way different intro than like a, the piece is going to be yeah. and like that transition's key to be able to move your audience mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a proper like well that was a bad transition yeah, yeah. I, don't I don't like that I, I think that like one, the, of the, one of the big questions is like how quickly do you kind of show your cards that it's like you know maybe at the beginning you don't want people to know that it's like oh what's the mystery the mystery is like what is this place that we're, we're talking about what is this and then eventually you show your cards like we're talking about St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Cathedral I feel like a good timing for that is like you don't mention it in that intro, right? Mm-hmm. But you need to mention it soon afterward because sure. you've you've got enough intrigue there. People are either it's like those videos that I hate online where um, it's like just wait for it to happen. It's like a seven minute video, <laughs> oh, right? And so then you're like you're watching for a minute and you're like really it's just like a static shot of something, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's like no, I, I'm done. Like I'm not even going to look at the end. Like I'm just so yeah. irritated. I'm going to move away. It's yeah. got so, too much anticipation that just yeah. drives to frustration. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the lost effect, if you will. The lost um, effect. Like the show? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I still never seen it. No, well, it's, well, I haven't either, but uh, it's like, you know, the idea of like mystery boxes is really fascinating. I think my thing is always like mystery versus confusion. You want people to want, you want your audience to feel like they're a detective figuring out a mystery. Mm. You don't want them to, you don't want to tell them everything because then you're like, no, I, I want to feel like a detective. I want to, I want to be smart. I want, you know, mm-hmm. don't baby me. Like I, I want to figure it out. Um, but you also can't make them confused. It's yeah. like, oh, you want me to detective this thing, but I don't have all the pieces. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm there's no way I'm going to get the right answer. Mm-hmm. But like, popular opinion, that's how I feel when I watch a Nolan movie. Sure, no, absolutely. <laughs> like the mystery versus confusion line is like is is it's a faint line that it's I don't know thin. if Nolan really <laughs> yeah. knows it uh, mm-hmm. for his audience. But like, um, but yeah, like that's a that's a very fine line to kind of draw. And but I think it's really important because it you keep you want to keep people engaged in whatever the mystery is, the intrigue. Um, not baby them and then not confuse them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think so. Cold open. I think. What's the meat and potatoes? Of this yeah, piece? no, like, we need what, to flush that out because like yeah, we're so talking I'm, about history. We're t- like we're evoking these ideas of history and like mm-hmm. important like monuments and stuff like that. But we then, have the feel. I would say, like, let's say intro takes what thirty seconds to, or is that too long? Too short? Is it a sixty second piece? Uh, well, I guess that's a question. 15. What was that? I think 15, maybe. 15, yeah. okay. Yeah, so are, are we sticking to a 60-second? Yeah, why not? Great, let's, yeah, let's, let's do 60 seconds. Okay. I think yeah. that's yeah. perfect. That also allows, because things like, you know, reenacting a, a stone going down, like that's not going to be an overly cheap thing. So uh, depending on how you do also, it. Also doing the fire. Yeah, that, would, that would take a bit. But I think that, like, that ties in that do present tense, you know? Mm-hmm. You could do it in miniatures. Do it in miniatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's smart. Yeah. Um, okay, so 60-second piece, that takes up 15. So then we've got 45 seconds to essentially tell. To conf- so, yeah, we – so, sorry, it's like four qu- 15 minutes is uh, a 15, quarter yeah. of 60. Um, 16, yeah, 15 seconds is a quarter of a minute. And so it's like now you have three acts. Yeah. The first mm-hmm. act – or like we have cold open and then we have act one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I feel like at a certain point, like there's – I think there's benefit too to showing like – 
like how do we weave in historical photographs and things like that of of because I'm sure St. Patrick's has been photographed over the past hundred years at least. So how do we weave that in? But then at the very end, kind of bringing in a more modern element and showing it in the modern time as how it's. Well, you know, be cool. I've seen this effect people have done it on Instagram where because everyone like takes picture of the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. So, like, I seen the person that takes like all these people's Instagram yep. posts of it, and then like do like a hyperlapse yep. of it. So it'd be super rad to get like all these pictures of St. Patrick's Cathedral, and basically do like a hyperlapse of it throughout the years mm. as it's like changed and grown. Mm. That's what I was um, thinking too. And then, and then like it ends like maybe so that's happening like during, after like the view or part of it, um, and then like it's where it is now, and it like doesn't look great, mm-hmm. you know, like because of the fire and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like we can't leave it like this. Uh, what would the you know future be without it or something? I don't know something that gives the impression of like, hey, if we don't help, it might not be here. Mm-hmm. Be like, yeah. No, 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 we want it here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing, like very along the same lines. Like, I don't know where it goes in this piece, but some sort of sequence where it's almost like a slideshow where like the images tick away, but like mm-hmm. the first image is like some drawing some dude did of like the architecture that, it, mm-hmm. and then and then and then it goes to you know we're going through the ages and then we see images from the seventies. And then we see a picture from the 90s. And it's like, like the, the world is changing around St. Patrick's, but St. Patrick's is not changing. Like St. Mm. Patrick's is like this mm-hmm. time time yeah. impervious kind of monument. And then and then it's like modern day and there's like modern sound design and it's video and the car drives past mm-hmm. and it's like not in great shape or something. Yeah. Um, see, and, and this is what that was getting me thinking about is like, and I don't know that this necessarily fits in anymore, but the fire that we're talking about, I almost feel like we, we set up like a full room that could be on fire, but there's, there's like pictures of St. Patrick's in there, but you never fully see the final image. And that's like, that's how you reveal that you're talking about St. Patrick's is that these, the, like the fire licking away at things is like, you know, a, a shot of like a, a crucifix that's the fire is like an Oof. image of a crucifix and it's like burning up. Mm-hmm. And then there's something with like, you know, a, a wedding photo that's out in front of something. And that one's like the fire licking up there. And then at the very end, that's how you reveal that you're talking about St. Patrick's. Cause then it's a, a shot of St. Patrick's that's fully visible with like the flames just like coming through the back of it. So it's, it introduces the subject at, and pulls in, you can pull in, like I said, wedding fo- photos and other things like that that are very personal that show the human element well, of that. It ties in like those yeah. like voiceover lines being very personal. Too. Yeah. 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 I just said we can't have Dolan, but because you talk about all the weddings, but all the um, ordinations too. Maybe, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if Dolan was ordained or ordained in. I don't know. In, but, probably not because he was from, um, but if you had like prominent like people or bishops, cardinals now that were ordained there mm-hmm. and that some of that, those, you know, the wedding stuff. Yeah. That'd be cool. Because it's, I mean, it's, that sequence would be pretty disturbing, you know, seeing these things on fire. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. So I think that that naturally would kind of draw this emotion out of our audience. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'd have really people that faithful, like, like Catholics would be like, what the heck is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but like, I mean, it, 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 it need to be done tastefully. Yeah, so yeah. you're not like, it doesn't, but it's like, this is like, no, this is this is what happened in St. Patrick's Cathedral, mm-hmm. and that's why this is so mm-hmm. important that we restore it. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, Rob, you're talking about audience earlier. Like, maybe it's not explicitly geared towards non-Catholics, but you know, like we were talking about like the audience. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a very like, imperative question. At some point, you got to be like, okay, do we super lean into the church crowd mm-hmm. that's going to be able to see a picture of? Or see see a bishop talking about their ordination and know what's going on, or do we lean towards the crowd who like don't doesn't really know what an ordination is? Like, because mm-hmm. um, I think that there there's ways of getting both audiences like quickly, 
and you can get a very, you know, you can, you can get a, a church-going crowd into it very quickly by kind of tailoring it in that way, like mm-hmm. things that they know about, things that mm-hmm. they're familiar with. But um, you almost have to like kind of take a step back for an audience who isn't going to be familiar with that and slow down a little bit and like, okay, we can't show them, we can't reveal too much information, too much specifics because it's going to, it, we're not there yet. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think that's a, a good question to kind sure. of think about how this all frames up. Well, it's also interesting to think about, like we're talking about, you know, New Yorkers imagining this, uh, the city without this in particular. So how, how do you also capture the attention of people who aren't quite as sentimental? And I feel like one way of doing that is finding, uh, like if they are able to picture themselves, uh, and like their wedding day and like, you're going to remember the church that it was in and all of that. And so if you can tie that memory to like, oh, what if the church that I was married in had burnt down? Or like, what if this other thing that I'm personally attached to disappeared, whether it's, you know, a wedding, uh, you know, a dress or something going up in flames or I don't know, whatever we're talking about, like the burning element, but how do we find these other areas that can connect people emotionally mm-hmm. outside of just like, hey, it's in our city? What What if... So let's. What if you just go down like the voiceover like route, more so, or the like the the inter like interview style voiceover like real people, um, and it's talking about like going through the timeline of St. Patrick's, but it's you're hearing a New Yorker say like, oh, and I remember in 1946, uh, you know, Jimmy's Diner opened up across the street or something, and you're like, okay, yeah. And then someone says, yeah, and then in 19, you know, like people are talking about how the landscape was changing around, mm-hmm. or like how the neighborhood was changing um, over the top or, or like or rather underneath these images of it changing through the decades mm-hmm. or something that like that things come and go. I don't know. But St. Patrick's is always there. Yeah. And so through all of those changes, St. Patrick's has been that that like stalwart, uh, like cornerstone. Yeah, the cornerstone of the community there. Yeah. And so now that that's in disrepair, like we can't have the the one thing that has been consistent that whole time go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so leaning into the leaning into the the interviews throughout the whole thing potentially I like think just so. interview like interview yeah. clips for the whole thing yeah um, is it getting away then from the, the it feminine? does but I I think that you just pull in feminine voices and I think that that'll add this level of like yeah I don't, there's something about it that feels innocent to me what if we what if we met in the middle a little bit too with like rather than like full man on the street it's like still it's like studio so like someone sits down in a chair and it's like and it's like oh like you're saying like oh yeah i remember when the dyno opened up across the street like it but it's a little more polished than i don't know if i'd want to see in studio i don't know that i want to see people's faces talking sure i I'm but either way I'm, the I'm thinking the audio primarily like i yeah. feel like mm. if i record it on a street and i'm hearing everything like it's going to pull me out of like the drama of some of it i no, totally agree i think once you get people in a studio, we've just done this a number of times where it's like they sit down and like if they're in a studio, it's like suddenly they, they're just not as natural. Yeah, no anecdotes come out. Yeah, whereas like you just grab like Bill on the street, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like he's just like talking and he's saying something. You're like, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is intense. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe it comes down like what can we – how can we bring that experience out to the streets to get that? So like mm-hmm. – so it is quiet. So it sounds good. Um, yet authentic and, and off the cuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. What if we, what if we almost like to play into that photograph thing? What if we took, um, these sound bites 
And I know this is a little out there. I don't know how much of the budget we could afford. Mm -hmm. But we took all these sound bites of these men on the, or men, women on the street and took their stories and put it into a mural. And that was what we lit on fire. And we have these moments as they're speaking. We see their part of the mural burning. Mm. And it is kind of in relation to mm. the church and, of course, like these moments that they've had. I think it could be really interesting. And then you get in that, I don't know, just like we could maybe look at the the type of um, architecture that this that is specific to um, the church mm -hmm. and then try to draw that into mm. this mural. Um because I think then that ties in visually like some really creative elements because I'm sure you could pull some painter to draft something and then we could do a print of it and then burn the prints. So that way we'd, mm. I don't know. I'm thinking about, yeah, I, I think we have like, five minutes. Just here's so what I like about the idea. None of it and then we change it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the real people thing, yeah. like having pictures of like these people um, and you're talking about like uh you know, man, like man, woman on the street kind of thing. What if it's shopkeepers around the area or something, you know, like someone who works in the office building at Rockefeller, who's like mm -hmm. looked across the street and like her view from across the street of St. Patrick's. And then like at the end of the piece, you know, you haven't seen people talking the entire time. And then you see at the end, the people who are talking just in portraits, like in their space or whatever. And it's, it's a kind of, it's a portrait of like the people who, St. Patrick's is a part of their lives, maybe. Um, I don't know. Well, that also bridges the gap a little bit of like, it's not on the street, so you could get someone in, you know, like right, their, exactly. their their house that's mm -hmm. in, you know, one of the high rise, or, you know, a condo in a high rise that's looking out. You can get something that's fairly quiet where they're like standing by the window looking down at St. Patrick's. You could get that, that shopkeeper's like, yeah, I, I've been here. Uh, I moved into this location, uh, you know, 30 years ago in St. I mean, it's, it's there. It's always been there, you know, yeah, so exactly. it's, you've got that like quietness mm -hmm. yep. of the location and also the authenticity of it. Um, but it's a little more like, I feel like you get the comfort too, in that they're comfortable in their space. And so they're more likely to talk about that rather than like some ran like on the street where it's like, I don't want a mic in my face. I really like the idea of whoever's talking. It's like you're seeing St. Patrick's through their front shop window. Like you yeah. you're seeing St. Patrick's from their perspective while they're talking and mm -hmm. at the end you see the people or something like I, I just really like that idea um, for the meat like the, the body of the piece potentially mm -hmm. I just think that yeah maybe it's a different maybe that kind of it doesn't actually hit the, the prompt perfectly but I, I like sure. that idea as like a so uh, 60 second study. piece that's being told like the story's being told by the people who have lived around St. Patrick's and it's part of their neighborhood so they, they have an intimate knowledge with the church there and they are telling uh, these these little stories or these little bites uh, about what it means to them or the part that it has played in their life as we are seeing shots from their perspective of the church peppered in with some of these flames because then you could also... Uh, you know, the flames over time could could grow. It could be something that like is peppered in a little bit at the beginning and then becomes more and becomes more throughout the piece until there's like a full scene at the very end with the flames. And then, then you cut away to like the ask. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah? No? I'm seeing like the last scene is like, it's almost like when the fire is like, there's like an ash coming down. You're like mm. seeing it fall and like it hits... <clears throat> and then the, like that's like the transition to black or like mm -hmm. cuts to like yeah i also think i mean you guys were talking about, i don't know where this plays maybe it's part of the people that live in the area but like uh 
it's kind of like those the the when people hold up a picture, they recreate a scene from when they were younger. Yep. So it's like like a older couple in like their wedding uh, stuff, mm-hmm. holding a picture up, sitting in that. front of like St. Patrick's, uh, like when they were younger. Like you know, yeah. having that too. I think that like because it's not just like history, but like real people's. That's it's like that's great part of their life. That's great. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm thinking too like getting because. You're, that's a hundred percent it. Like the, uh, you got to get different perspectives, people who can speak to it at different levels. Mm-hmm. Somebody who can talk about when they were baptized there as a, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. as a kid. And then somebody who can talk to living across the street from it and always having it out their front window. And then a guy who goes out every morning on his walk and feeds the pigeons in front. And, mm-hmm. and then somebody who can like, maybe you get a priest who can speak to like how many people have been ordained there or like mm-hmm. some people who can talk about the past and like little anecdote cute like mm-hmm. yeah i think i remember hearing that it was like it's like 200 years old or something and, you know like people giving like off the cuff mm-hmm. answers that kind of tells you the story but mm-hmm. not from a like a historian from like real yeah. people i think that makes that a round experience for mm-hmm. me yeah you get yeah you get the, the people with the wedding dress and like that's well and as you're saying like holding up a wedding photo like it could be that they're holding that photo and then there's this very visceral image of like that photo so- suddenly with like flames coming up so you're like what the heck is going like there's mm-hmm. a little bit of like uh, you're yeah. intrigued yeah. so it's pulling you into this personal thing and then it's as they're talking about it then there's this image that that's essentially ripping that away in some way yeah that yeah yeah because there's like a there's like 50 ways that we can take this video. Like you could do a full length documentary on on uh, oh, yeah. St. Patrick's. You could do like a three minute like really hardcore um, like historical thing um, that's super dramatic and all of that. But then there's also like what what we don't see as much of or what uh, could be really impactful is this element of yeah, just like the personal side of it. Like this is St. Patrick's is a New Yorker. It's been there. It's been you know next to us all the time. You know, it might not be. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's good. I think, I think as like a a package just to kind of, to drive it back, um, we're tying on. So we are hitting this, this, uh, this emotional element with the audience where we are telling these stories of real people and through them, we are like through them as a lens, we're seeing the portrait of St. Patrick's and the history mm-hmm. of St. Patrick's come into full view. Mm-hmm. And we're also teasing the audience with these images of its decay, of its loss, of its potential fragmentation from c- the city. And it's like, but as the portrait of St. Patrick's is being revealed, we're realizing how fundamental St. Patrick's is. And so that loss becomes more, like we're more and more and more averse to it mm-hmm. until at the end, we're like, it's kind of the 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 the, the idea of it that this fire is engulfing these these beautiful memories that are potentially being lost um, is that's revealed to the audience and emotionally the story comes full circle and or like it, it's full realization that like we can't lose this yeah. we have to do whatever it takes to like make sure that this stays a part of New York a part of the skyline mm-hmm. so in, anyway. in place to what video should be it should be an emotional experience not an informational experience yeah I yeah. mean like it can be informational but really Information, I think, is best like done in a book, right? Mm-hmm. But you're watching a, a video or a commercial or a film to be emotionally moved. And so we want to move them emotionally to feel that spot. It's kind of like a dream, you know? Yeah. yeah. Trying to create a dream for everybody to, yeah. Yeah. to bear. I dig that. Stuff. I would film that tomorrow. Guys. Oh, yeah. That's absolutely. so That's so fun. No, that's that gets me excited. 
So, but okay. hopefully this never happens. Yeah, no, no. I mean, <laughs> it's true, yeah. very, very true. But I mean, hey, we could do something like that for Notre Dame. So, which, because that has happened. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, you could do something like that. And you get to get French people, and you get yellow subtitles, and Chris gets very happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it. Uh, film it all in black and white. Yeah, exactly. So four three. Well, cool. Whole deal. Yeah. So that's our podcast for this week. We really enjoyed doing this. Uh, I hope you did too. Next week we're going to be talking about. A fun topic, really filtration. We touched on it a little bit this time, but um, you know, why would someone put something in front of your lens, which is essentially making it worse? People do it all the time, but why? So uh, stay tuned for that, uh, and be sure to check us out on social media. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok. Um, you can search for uh, Catholic Filmmaking or Spirit Juice Studios, and go to our website, spiritjuice.com, uh, to check out uh, these pieces as well as other things there as well. So. Um, be sure to send us uh, any questions, comments, prompts to panningup at spiritjuice.com, and we'll talk to you next time. Hey.